Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through his word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now it's time to listen to this week's message. Well, praise the Lord. Anybody expectant this morning? Hallelujah. A set heart, a prepared heart. Amen. Well, it's good to be with you. What an honor and privilege we have to be able to gather together and to center our lives and center this community on and around Jesus Christ. He is the only one who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. He is the only sure foundation. And we set our hopes, we set our sights, we set our eyes and lives on Him today. And you know what? What a great privilege that we have access to the full counsel of God's Word, that we have access to the Scriptures. And I pray today that we each take a posture to lean in as we access what God has spoken, what God has said through those that has went before us in His Holy Scriptures. Well, we're in this series, Tweets from Heaven. I can assure you, as I've been on Twitter now, uh, not as long as most people, but longer than some of you, uh, as some might not even be on Twitter yet, but uh, I can assure you that you come across a lot of tweets that are not from heaven, and uh, no doubt about it, no doubt about it, but we're looking at what if God got involved directly with social media, what would he tweet, what would he communicate? And Pastor Craig kicked us off last week with a message titled, On Earth As It Is in Heaven. And today I want us to go to the scripture found in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1 and verse 2. Romans chapter 12, beginning in verse 1. Paul the Apostle, he's writing to the church in Rome. At the time, he had never visited the church in Rome. He, for years, had a desire to connect with them and to reach them, but he hadn't yet. However, he's got his hopes set that he's going to be able to visit them. But beforehand, he writes this letter to the church there in Rome, and we pick it up in chapter 12 and verse 1. He says... I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you don't have a sermon card, you can raise your hand at this time and you will be served. But I want to preach a message to you today titled, Press for the Perfect. Press for the Perfect. And I'd like to pray. Father, I thank you. 
that the kingdom of God is at hand. I thank you that the foundation of your kingdom is righteousness. And Jesus Christ, you alone are our righteousness. I ask Holy Spirit that you would minister to hearts and minds and to people today. That you would begin to motivate us and empower us to press for the perfect. That Jesus Christ would become clear. That we would sense His presence near. That our hearts would find Him more valuable and worth more than anything else. I yield myself to you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Lord Jesus, that you build your church and the gates of hell will not prevail. For this we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. In 2015, the top shared verses on the YouVersion Bible app were number one, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Now, if you don't know that, I know some of you have memorized at least half of the Bible, but for those of you that haven't, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not on thy own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct or make smooth your path. Notice the first of the top shared verses dealt with divine direction. The second one was Philippians 4, 6, and 7, which deals with the divine peace of God that guards our hearts and minds. The third was Joshua 1, 9, which deals with divine protection and courage and not fearing and moving forward in the plan and the mission of God. The fourth is our text today, Romans 12 and verse 2. That deals with divine purpose. And the fifth one was Romans 15 and 13. That deals with divine hope, divine joy, and divine peace. This was uh, a research done by Christianity Today. And of course the Version Bible app has over 200 million installs uh, to date. So this isn't a small little sample uh, when it comes to... Twitter. Notice that those five dealt with divine direction, divine peace, divine purpose, divine hope, joy, and peace. Another interesting stat that they tracked is they tracked the most popular Bible verses by country. And what many would consider first world countries, not to offend people around the world today, but in those that would be considered a first world nation uh, regarding an advancement in technology and accessibility to um, the life that such technology and inventions provide. For instance, United States, Canada, United Kingdom. The most popular Bible verse in our country, in first world countries, was Romans 12 and verse 2. What many would refer to as second world countries like Brazil, Colombia, the most popular Bible verse in such countries was Joshua 1.9, a scripture that dealt with courage. What's interesting, though, is in China, the most popular verse was 1 Corinthians 10 and 13. 
No temptation has overtaken you except such as common demand. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. But with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Here's my summary of this. In China, where there is great persecution and there's not much liberty for believers, their prayer and their focus is on victory over temptation, victory over the temptation to apostasy, victory over the temptation of giving place to the enemy, and a desire for personal holiness. In second world countries, where there are still many difficulties, difficulties to move forward, to get ahead in life, to move their family and opportunity forward. They pray for courage. Courage for progress. But in first world countries like our own, where we have so many options, where you go down the supermarket and there's 150 choices of cereal. In first world countries where we have so many options of where to buy a new car and what type of car and what color of car and, I mean, what series of car and what, you know, All these options in first world countries like our own where we have so many choices. We're aware of so many things. We pray to know what is the good and acceptable and the perfect will of God. We feel overwhelmed because there's so many choices. We feel overwhelmed because there's so many options. And when I think about what God would want to tweet to us here today in this country... I believe God's tweet would have to have a link on it. It's very difficult to have a perfect tweet. It's very difficult to communicate accurately in so little characters and with so little space. Something that is so accurate, something that is so clear, something that is so truthful, something that is so uh, exhaustive regarding a subject and a topic. So I believe that God's tweet to you and I today would have a link, and we would have to press the link for the perfect. If you want to know the perfect will of God, if you want to prove and experience the perfect will of God, you're going to have to press into it. It's going to take a little more attention than just a couple characters of God's Twitter and God's tweet to you. It's not just going to come as you sit back passively in life, but you're going to have to press in if you want God's perfect for your life. How often has this been true for you? That you're facing so many options. Facing so many opportunities. Facing so many choices that your senses, your faculties, your judgment seems paralyzed. And you long in those moments in prayer to God, God, I want to know. I want to know what your will is. This brings us back to our text. In Romans 12, 1 and 2. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul the Apostle says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Now notice where he starts. He says, I beseech you. The word beseech in the original language, in the Greek language, means I urge you. I implore you. 
I beg you, basically it's equal to the saying, I'm on my hands and knees pleading with you. Paul is writing the church in Rome and he says, listen, I am basically begging you, I am pleading with you, I am urging you, I know I'm an apostle sent by Jesus, but I don't have authority to make you, therefore I am just broken and humbled and dependent on God leading you to become willing to present yourself. He says, I'm begging you. Sometimes as leaders, we wish we could make people. But that's why this isn't a dictatorship in the kingdom. Not even God makes people accept His love. God gives space and liberty for people to reject Him, for people to defile uh, the very things of nature. God gives people space to make choices. But Paul says, listen, I know it's your choice. Believers in Rome, it's your choice. It's your life. I can't control it. I can't dictate it. I can't make you. But I'm on my hands and knees pleading and begging you. What is he begging? That by the mercies of God and in view of the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Let me talk to you a moment about present. Notice first that it's present your bodies, plural. See, Paul's not writing a personal letter to a friend. He's writing a letter to a local church, a local outpost of the kingdom of God, a local group of believers that God has set for such a time as this in a city and in a nation that are the called out ones that are to be the salt and the light and the expression of God's will and the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And Paul is writing to the group of believers. And so there's a corporate aspect. Will you as a church present your body because of the mercy of God, in view of the mercy of God, as a living sacrifice? But in order for you to have a corporate expression or an entire local church, present their body a living sacrifice. That means each of us individually must present our body a living sacrifice. And what I've seen in America, and I've seen it growing up, that because of we've been blessed to have so many opportunities, to have so many things good for us. I remember playing sports and there would be people on the teams. And, and, and we would be conditioning. That means we would be sweating and thought we were about ready to die. And the coach didn't seem to care. <laughs> he seemed to think winning was more important. And I'll never forget, you'd look over there and you're doing all you have and there'd be people slacking. There'd be people ready to give up. And that would begin to affect the whole. This is what we're talking about, is that God wants to do something great in our community. God wants to do something great on the earth. God wants... His kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven. And Paul, likewise, writing to the church in Rome, says, but you, plural, have to present your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so often we would look to the next man or the next woman and said, if they would just do it, that would allow me to relax and just do my own thing. But can I tell you today that before God Almighty, God looks at you, He looks at me, and He says, it's on you. 
It's not on your neighbor. It's not on the person next to you. I wish the Holy Spirit would laser in on your life today and say, it's on you. The ball's on your court. God has reached you. God has spoken to you. Jesus has cleansed you. He's filled some of you with the Holy Ghost and power. And God today is saying, it's on you. Don't lose sight of the mercy of God. But present your body a living sacrifice. I wish some people said, whether my wife does, whether my husband does, whether my neighbor does, whether my children does, whether other people in the city does, God, I, in view of your mercy, present myself unto you. My God. He says, present. Present your body a living sacrifice. Meaning God doesn't want you dead. That's good news today. We don't serve a God that's up there ready to zap you. I was walking around the store the other day, almost bought it, but you know, missional stewardship kicked in. I said, you know, I don't really need that. But I was walking through this store for the first time. Listen, they sell these, these zappers of mosquitoes and, and locusts, and things, but it's like a tennis racket. It's like a game. I mean, you go out there and you just try to inflict punishment just zap them I was going to get it but then I knew it fall into the hands of my kids and they'd be running around zapping each other you know I said no 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 we need to wait till they get a little older just in case I leave it on the back deck but God's not up in heaven with the big zapper trying to kill you no no God don't want you dead that's what Pastor Craig said last week that God desires His kingdom to come on earth as it is in heaven, and He uses living vessels. He, he uses vessels that still got breath and praise in their mouth. He uses those of us today that are born again and are His dwelling place. But notice, though, that though He wants you alive, He needs you to be a sacrifice. He doesn't want you dead. He's not trying to kill you. He wants you alive to be a living vessel, to bring His kingdom into spheres and, and places of influence He's given you. But though He wants you alive, He needs you to be a sacrifice. And listen, it's not so much the sacrifice of earthly objects and earthly items as it is the sacrifice of your own will. Because sometimes it's easier to give up cars and Give up money and give up clothes and give up items than it is to give up your will. See, what ultimately determines what we do with our body is our will. If you don't understand how God's created you today, then you're in a good place because God's about to help you understand yourself. Listen, you are a spirit who lives in that body and you have a soul, mind, will, and emotions. That's why he said, you present your body a living sacrifice. Because you're a spirit, and as a spirit, you determine what you do with your body. Some of you needs to know that your body doesn't have to determine what you do with it. But you're a spirit, and now you've been empowered by the gospel of Jesus Christ that you can determine... As a spirit made in the image of God, what you do with your body. And Paul says, present your body a living sacrifice. The word present means to place a person or a thing, an object at one's disposal. 
to stand by ready to yield. That's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, listen, don't forget the mercy of God. Don't forget the goodness of God. In view of the mercy of God, present your body on standby to be used at any moment, to be used at any day, to be used at any place as Christ has need of it. That's why Paul later calls us the body of Christ. We are individually members of the body of Christ. And what's interesting is notice that Paul appeals to your reason. This isn't an emotional frenzy. This isn't us coming in here and worshiping and running around until we get dizzy enough to say, you know what, I'm just feeling so crazy right now. Let me just present myself to God. No, no, no. This isn't emotionalism. This is presenting to your rational, critical, reasoning mind. He says it's reasonable for you to present your body as a living sacrifice. It's reasonable for you to present your body holy and acceptable to God. You know why it's reasonable? Because God's going to give you an eternity living in a perfect heaven on a perfect earth. The least we can do is stand by ready to yield our bodies to Christ in us as He needs use of it. I'll say it again. God's going to let you live for eternity where there's no racism, where there's no hatred, where there's no poverty, where there's no sickness, where there's no early death, where there's no questions. God's going to let you live in a perfect heaven on a perfect earth for eternity. The least we could do is present our body to Christ in us as he's ready to have use through us. It's the least we could do. Paul says that's reasonable, ain't it? That's reasonable. It's like someone who comes to you like a Bill Gates or someone who you know can back it up financially. And he says, listen, I, I, I left my wallet in my hotel and I'm, I'm empty and I just pumped gas and if you'll just give me $20, listen, I'm going to send you a million dollars check. Now, is that reasonable? Are you standing ready? Say, listen, God has already fitted you if you're born again. He's already created you righteous and holy for the new heavens and the new earth where only righteousness and justice runs like a river. And He's already fitted you for that. Therefore, it's very reasonable that you give up the, your life right now that's like a vapor to be ready to yield to Christ in you as He has a need to meet through you. Someone say it's reasonable. Paul is saying believers are acting unreasonable when they refuse to present their body a living sacrifice. This brings us to this question. What is the cause of such unreasonable believers? What's the cause of unreasonable believers? Paul answers it. Losing the view of the mercies of God. When you lose the view of the mercies of God, you are vulnerable to become unreasonable and not present your body a living sacrifice. So let me ask you today, because remember it's on you, it's on me. Are you being an unreasonable believer? See, I, I want some older saints in here, not old, but older. 
None of you are old, but you're older than some. I want us older saints in here to model this to the younger saints in here. Because we have some younger saints in here that are still really in the midst of what Paul called youthful lust. Worldly drawing. And we need some older believers to say, listen, I presented my body a living sacrifice unto God, holy and acceptable, and I have proved that it's worth it. I have proved that the good will of God and, and the acceptable will of God of presenting my body to God as a living sacrifice is worth it. I'm telling you, if you and I as older believers live it out, it helps the next generation not fool around for five years, ten years, but understand and to know that it's worthy is the acceptable will of God. He says, your reasonable service to God is to present your body to Him as a living sacrifice. So here's the next question I want to ask you on this first point. How are you presenting your body a living sacrifice? I would doubt if we don't know the answer to that question that we're actually intentionally then presenting our body a living sacrifice. I would think that we would need to know how we are intentionally presenting our body a living sacrifice in order to do that. But notice it doesn't stop there because Paul says, after you present your body a living sacrifice, in verse 2 he says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul, when he wrote the letter to the church in Ephesus, he put it this way. He said, put off the world's ways, put off the world's thinkings, and put on the new way of living in Christ. And he says in order to put off the world's ways. And put on the new way of living in Christ. He says you got to be renewed in the spirit of your mind. See I don't read a lot of what the world writes about. But I do read a lot of what the word says about it. I know people who are reading more. Of what the world writes. Than reading more than what the Word of God says about it. And Paul says, oh, no, no, no. You need to get your mind renewed. You don't need to be conformed to this world, but you need to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. See, I don't seek to conform to this world, but I do seek to confirm this Word in my world. I don't seek to conform to this world. But I do seek to confirm this word in my world. That leads us to our next point. I seek to prove that let God be true and every man be a liar. That if God promised it, if God gave a covenant for it through the blood of Jesus, then it is true that there's no circumstance, there's no demon, there is nothing that can keep it from being untrue. I do seek to prove that God be true and every man be a liar. So let me ask you, how are you renewing your mind? If Paul says, in view of the mercy of God, you need to present your body a living sacrifice and also not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, how are you intentionally renewing your mind? See, if you don't know the answer to that, then I would doubt that you would be intentionally doing that, right? See, listen to me, God is a God of order. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, there's an order to the resurrection. But listen, 
There's also an order to His life resurrecting in me. There's not just an order in the future resurrection, but there's an order now in His life resurrecting in you and me. See, listen to me. Unpresented bodies leads to an unproved will of God. Some of you, the reason doubt creeps in, the reason why some things are prolonging in your life is because, listen, an unpresented body leads to an unproved will of God. You can't see the will of God proved in your situation until you first do what Paul says, present your body. And listen, this doesn't happen passively. You didn't get saved passively. You repented and placed faith and confessed Jesus as Lord and King. And this is just like a, a moment when you repented. A moment when you confess Jesus as Lord. Listen, this is a moment in your walk where you say, you know what? In view of the mercies of God, I present my body. I'm believing today for this place to be filled with some believers that come to this moment to present their body a living sacrifice. Maybe you had before, but you got it up off the altar. Present it again today. It's like what the prophet says. If you'll turn me up just a hair, please. The prophet says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro. Thank you, that's great. Throughout the whole earth. To show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Notice that. The Lord is looking. He's looking for one whose heart is set. He's looking for one whose body is presented. He's looking for one who is intentionally knowing how they're renewing their mind to do what? To show himself strong on your behalf. God is longing to prove his will in your life. He's longing to prove his will in your situation. He's longing to prove his will in your marriage and in your home and in your family and in your future. But notice, the eyes of the Lord are looking all around to those whose heart is loyal. See, listen, you must present before you prove. Some people want to prove God's will and then say, Okay, God, I accept that. No, no, no. You present first before you prove. That's why the just shall live by faith. That's why without faith it's impossible to please God. You must be transformed before you prove. Let me talk to you about number two, prove. Notice he says that you may prove. First, there's got to be a presenting of the body. That's a reasonable thing that God asks of us in view of His mercies. You have to have your mind renewed and not be conformed to this world so that you may prove. The word prove means to test, examine, scrutinize, to deem worthy. That you now by experience have proven that God's will is good, acceptable, and hopefully you'll learn to prove that it's perfect. See, that you have been through the test. You've been through the experience that proves God's will is good and acceptable. Notice again the order of God. The good will of God is before the acceptable will of God. And the acceptable will of God is before the perfect will of God. Now, I believe any born again, 
believer in here that your very spiritual DNA and nature longs for the perfect will of God. But you have to accept that there's only one order of God to get there. And that is you have to first prove the good will of God. You have to first prove and experience the acceptable will of God before you get to experience and prove the perfect will of God. Many have wrongly concluded that there's only one will of God. And that the one will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. And that good, acceptable, and perfect are just uh, adjectives describing the one will of God. But that's not the stance of Scripture. That's not the stance of Scripture. And I'll tell you, sometimes we ask questions, why did this happen to this believer, why this? I'll tell you, oftentimes it's because of this. Because there's not just one will of God. And many believers, unfortunately, become passive instead of proving the full will of God in their life. The full will of God. So listen. The stance of Scripture is not that it's adjectives. The word and there is a real Greek word. It's there is the good will of God. Plus, and there is the acceptable will of God, and plus there is the perfect will of God. And today the Holy Spirit, I believe God's tweet to us in America, would be to press for the perfect. Don't just experience the good. Don't just hope for the acceptable, but press for the perfect will of God. See, Paul, who wrote our passage here, he made clear that within the will of God, there are these, whatever you want to call them, stages or phases or places of progressing and moving forward. In Ephesians 1, 5, he says, watch this, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure, everybody say good pleasure, of his will. Notice, that is the good will of God. What is the good will of God? What's he talking about? It's God's good will for you to become a son or daughter of his. If you don't know Jesus Christ, if you don't know your creator as a father, if you've never been born again and had the guilt and shame and the power of darkness broken off your life and no longer live for yourself as God and king, listen, do you know what God's tweeting to you today? He's saying, I want you to prove my good will that I find pleasure in making you my child. Your father might have rejected you. You might have had some horrible situations surrounding your natural birth. But listen, it is God's good pleasure for you to become his son and daughter. That is his good will. God's good will is for you to be born again and saved. Look at Philippians 1 and verse 6. Paul says, I'm being confident of this very thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it 
until the day of Jesus Christ. Notice what Paul's saying. God begun a good work in you when you became a child of God. When you became born again. But it's not yet been completed. It's not yet been perfect. Yes, if you've been born again, if you are a child of God, then you should already know by experience and prove the good will of God. That it is acceptable or it is good. It is deemed worthy to be a child of God. But notice, he just began a work in you then. He hadn't completed the work. You're experiencing his good will, but are you pressing towards his perfect will? He's got a work to complete, to perfect in you. Go to another place, 1 Timothy 2.1. Here you see the good will of God and the acceptable will of God. You see them collide. Let me explain this. In 1 Timothy 2.1, Paul says, Therefore I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. When's the last time you prayed for those in leadership? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life. Paul says the prayer of the saints can affect the atmosphere around us. That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. Verse 3, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Notice he says, for this is good and acceptable. What does it mean? It is good for all persons, of all races, of all nations, of all countries to be saved because it's God's desire to save them. It is God's pleasure, it is His good pleasure, it is His good will for all to be saved. Whosoever will come and drink freely of the waters of life. But why is it good and acceptable? Here's why. It's good for, you to, for all people to be saved. But it's acceptable for believers who are already saved and already in the good will of God. It's acceptable for believers who have experienced the good will and desire of God to save them. Watch this. To pray for all people to be saved. This is why here you see the good and acceptable will. It's good for more people to be saved. Do you believe that? Do you believe it's God's good will for more people in our city, in your business, in your neighborhood, in your sphere of influence to be saved? Yes. Therefore, the acceptable will is for those of us who are already saved to pray for that. What does this mean? It means the acceptable will of God is related to how we as children of God live. The acceptable will of God is related... To us as children of God on how we behave. See, the acceptable will of God in this verse is the action of His children praying for others to be saved. What it means is, this child of God, these believers, Paul's saying, you know God's good will, you're saved. But now I want you to know His acceptable will is for you to pray for others to be saved. I know people who literally, they don't know the acceptable will of God. They don't know. It's God's desire to save people around them. And because they don't know it, they don't know it's acceptable to pray about it. Because most people know enough, it does no good to pray if it's not God's will, right? If we pray according to His will, we know He hears us. And anything, we know He hears us. We know the moment we pray, we're received and we ask in faith. So Paul's saying, this is acceptable will of God, that you pray for others to be saved. 
But here's what this means. You can be accepted as a child of God through faith in Christ and not yet have acceptable actions, acceptable behaviors as a child of God. That was the chance for parents, real parents in the room, to, to shout out, Amen! See, you can love your children, and nothing's going to change that love. You can call them your own, and you would never disown them that they are your child. You will always accept the fact that they are your child, but they don't always have acceptable behavior. Amen? That was your chance to let out some steam. <laughs> Let out some of that frustration. It's the same with us. We're God's children, and we're accepted as His children, but that don't guarantee we always have acceptable behavior. So it's good, it's God's good will that you are His child. It's His acceptable will that you live outwardly who God made you inwardly. That your behaviors, your attitudes, your words reflects outwardly who God made you inwardly when you experienced the goodwill of God and He began a good work in you through the new birth. Let me show you this. Go to Ephesians 5 and verse 8. Paul says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out, someone say find it out, what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Notice he said you got to find out what's acceptable to the Lord. Listen to me, you're not going to stumble into what is acceptable, you are to find out what is acceptable to the Lord. You're not going to stumble into it as a child of God. You've got to find it out. That's why I said if you don't know how you're renewing your mind, you're probably not renewing your mind. If you don't know how you're presenting your body a living sacrifice, you're probably not presenting your body a living sacrifice. If you don't know how you're finding out the acceptable will of God, you probably don't know what's acceptable then as His child and now that you're in His kingdom. You've got to find it out. Listen to me. If you do not allow the grace of God to move you into the acceptable will of God, you will be ashamed at His coming. I'll say it again. This is Scripture's clear teaching. If you do not allow the grace of God to move you into the acceptable will of God, you will be ashamed at His coming. I'll never forget a time, me and my friend, I, I lived at his house in the summer when I was young a lot of times, and... Uh, I remember this time we broke this light outside. We're playing with the ball, and I don't know, but we, we broke it. And I'll never forget, instantly we thought, oh boy. When, when, see, back then when I grew up, if you have close friends and you stay at their house, they whoop you like your parents whoop you. You see what I'm saying? It don't matter. Ain't your father. You at their house, and you're close, and, and the families know each other and trust each other. You getting the whooping from your friend's daddy. So whether you call him daddy or not, he's about to be your daddy with that paddle. And I'll never forget, we broke that light, and we were so scared. Because his daddy wasn't a little daddy. I mean, his daddy was like, you know, bench press daddy. You know what I'm saying? He had a, he had a weight room in the, in the backyard. And I thought, oh, dear God. You know, I can withstand my mama's paddling, but I don't know if I can withstand my friend's daddy's paddling. I mean, we were so new. We were going to, when he showed up, we were going to be ashamed because we know we did something that we shouldn't have done. 
Do you see that? Did it change the fact that he was my friend's father? Mm -mm. But see, I can be accepted as a child of God and not yet have acceptable behavior of reflecting the family, the kingdom, and the culture of the king and his kingdom that I now represent and under. Sometimes you can miss in the English Bible what is abundantly clear in the Greek language. For instance, you might not think that the acceptable will of God is talked about a lot in Scripture, but that would be a very wrong conclusion. Especially when you understand that the word translated in Romans 12, acceptable, is translated in many other places as well-pleasing. So when you see well-pleasing and you see acceptable in the New Testament, it's the same Greek word. Because of that, many people can miss this. Let me give you an example, 2 Corinthians 5.9. Paul says, we make it our aim. This is our bullseye. This is our heart set. This is our eyes fixed. We make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. You know what that means? Acceptable to Him. Hebrews 13, 21. That God would make you complete in every good work. To do His will, working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Notice it says, God is working in you what is well-pleasing in His sight. So, the fact that you're a child of God, that's the good will of God, because now Christ lives in you, and the Spirit of God lives in you, which means now God can work in you. See, God doesn't work in unbelievers. He's working outside of them to try to invade inside of them to make them born again on the inside. Right? That's why people look at all the fruit and the chaos in the world, but the issue is, is the root. they got to get God to invade the inside of the spiritual nature and get born again. That is the only hope of nations, Jesus Christ and His gospel. But listen, now that God's began to work in you, what is He working to? What is He working towards? That which is well-pleasing in His sight. He's working towards the acceptable will of God. That you present your body a living sacrifice. That you know how to handle yourself in situations. Stressful situations. Difficult circumstances. That you know that the Holy Spirit controls the rudder of your life. What you say. How you say it. The tone you say it. What you do with your body. Your actions. Your behaviors. That you live outwardly who God made you inwardly. I love what Dr. Robert Clinton says about this. He says, God is concerned with what we are. We want to learn a thousand things because there is so much to learn and do. But God will teach us one thing, perhaps in a thousand ways. I am forming Christ in you. You want to know why this is happening? What's going on? I'll tell you what's happening. He's working within you to the well-pleasing will that He has for you. That you would have Christ formed in you. Let me ask you this question, this challenge. If you have proved it is good to be saved, come on, who has proved by experience that it's good to be born again and saved? Come on. He said you overcome by testifying. Listen, so if you've proved it's good to be saved, why be unwilling to prove it is acceptable to live outwardly who God made you inwardly? Notice lastly in Hebrews 13, 21, it states that he's working towards the goal. What is the goal? Of making you complete in his will. That is another way of saying God is working in you towards the goal of you reaching his perfect will. 
His kingdom coming on earth and in your earthen vessel as it is in heaven. Now let me talk lastly about the perfect. So you got to present in order to prove. But as you begin to prove, it should motivate you to press on to the perfect. Not to become passive, not to become complacent, but to press towards the perfect. you got to understand, you've allowed the grace of God to bring you this far. Why not allow you allow the grace of God to take you all the way you done been through too much you've done trusted too much you done walked by faith too much you've done let God change you and transform you and renew you so much why not allow the grace of God to cause you to press towards the perfect so notice Romans 12 1 I beseech you therefore brethren by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice wholly acceptable to God which is your reasonable service and do not be conformed to this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God the word perfect here listen it means something that's brought to its end finished and fully mature let me explain it this way do you understand that if you're sitting, the seat you're sitting in is perfect? You know why? Because it is accomplishing the end intended for it. It is fulfilling the purpose it was created. It was created to be able to hold you up. Good news, it's holding you up. So you can celebrate the chair right now that it's, meet, it's met its goal. See, we think of perfect that it's got to be, you know, all accessorized and you know, sparkleized and, you know, all the things my, my, my middle child does, Alexa, you know, glitterize it in order for it to be perfect. No, no. If it meets the goal, I don't care if it's got sparklers on it, if it's got glitter on it. I don't care what color's on it. In the biblical sense, it's perfect. It's fulfilling its purpose. You got to press towards the perfect to get to the place where God, His end intended from the beginning when he began a good work in you through the new birth where you walk in it see Ephesians 4 11 through 13 Casey and he himself gave some to be apostles some prophets some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints for the work of ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all till we all someone say all Come to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. To a perfect man. This is for all. That's why I said it's on you. It's on me. This is God's will for all. That every one of us would reach the perfect will of God. To a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. If you're getting tired of being punched in the face by some things in life, then the only biblical solution is to grow up higher where it can no longer reach your face. If you get tired of coming in here every week and getting your toes stepped on, the only solution is to grow up where your toes don't need to be stepped on. If my son is tired of getting things taken for him and getting a spanking, the only solution is to grow up and have some acceptable behavior in the area where he's acting immature. See, God says, I've given leaders, I've, I've given mature saints around you to press you towards the perfect. 
I'm not here to coddle you. I'm not here to comfort you in immaturity. I'm here to be used as a vessel of the living God to press you towards the perfect. That God would get out of your life everything that the blood of Jesus has purchased. That you would press towards every promise of God for your life. That you would wake up so filled with joy and the power of God's presence knowing there's a sense of destiny and purpose on you what you're doing every day because you have been pressed for the perfect. So let me ask you today. God's tweet from heaven sometimes might be, whose standard do you want to set before your eyes? I see so many, and I understand oftentimes the the heart behind it, but I see so many imperfect tweets and posts where we begin to make excuses for our immaturity. Well, no one's perfect. Well, listen, yeah, maybe in the English language, but still, you can't make excuses for where you need to grow up. honest and transparent and say this is where I am by the grace of God and yes I still have issues that need to be transformed and there's still areas I need to prove God's faithfulness and what's happened through the finished work of Jesus Christ but listen the grace of God should cause us to press towards the perfect not to camp out because what happens is when you begin to think that it's acceptable for you to no longer press towards the perfect then the enemy's got you you're neutralized and you're going to make heaven one day but there's so many people around you that's tied up to the inside of you of the perfect maturing of Christ living through you and I want on that day when you walk before Jesus Christ your king that you look like fruit of the loom that there is so much fruit around you because you press towards the perfect and God got fruit so much fruit and glory out of your life Dr. Robert Klein goes on and says in the long haul in the long haul God is preparing you for convergence. His goal is a spirit-filled leader through whom the living Christ ministers, utilizing the leader's spiritual gifts. And here leader means every one of you because Ephesians 4 says you all have a work, you all have a part, you all have a role from the one ministry of Jesus Christ. And he says the goal is the fruit of the Spirit is the mark of the mature Christian. The gifts of the Spirit are a mark of a leader being used of God. God wants the balance. His approach is to work in you and then through you. I'm telling you right now that wherever you're at, whatever you're facing, that God's got the long view in mind. He's got the long view. He's got the end goal in His view that He's working within you towards the perfect will of God to the place where you are fruitful, where the fruit of the Spirit and the fruit of your gifts converge and there's an authority of Christ living through you that you are being fruitful in every good word and work. And when God planned beforehand for you when you got born again according to Ephesians 2.10, That's why Colossians 1, 27 through 29, Paul says, this is the mystery, Christ in you. And Paul says, Him we preach. We're preaching Jesus. We're warning every person. We're teaching every person in all wisdom that we may present every person perfect in Christ Jesus. Paul said, we understand that all we're laboring, all of our prayers, all of our counseling, all of our teaching, all of our preaching, all of our invites, all that we're doing is all laboring towards God's perfect will to present every believer mature. 
walking in and proving the perfect will of God for their life. See, Paul was clear on the goal. The goal is pressing for the perfect. You might not have arrived in the perfect yet, but listen, my question for you today is, are you still pressing towards it? See, you're, you're welcome wherever you're at in this place. This is, God says, come boldly to me. I don't care what your junk is. I don't care where you need to be transformed. I don't care where you've took missteps in the past. God says, draw near to me. It's a throne of grace. I have grace to deal with it. I have grace to change it. I have grace to transform it. I have grace to heal with it. But you got to draw near to me. Because if you stay around the world, then the world's going to stay around your heart. But if you'll draw near to the Holy One, then the Holy One will draw near to those areas. But the question is, are you pressing towards the perfect? See, listen, it was good you got saved, but it is perfect for you to mature. I'll say it again. It was good that you got saved, but it is perfect for you to mature. That is the perfect will of God. Let me ask you, what kind of car do you prefer? You prefer a good car or a perfect car? See, I have a good car, not a perfect car. My, my window rolls down whenever it wants without my asking. I'm serious. I'm on the way here on 575 today, and I hear it starting to slip. And this lady was already on my bumper, and uh, we already probably going faster than we need to be anyway. And, and I put my hand up real quick to try to stop the window. She probably thought I was giving her a bird or anything. I don't know. God, touch her life and let her know. That's what happened. But I put my hand up real quick because my window is about to go down. See, listen, I have a good car, not a perfect car. You know why it's not perfect? Because it's not... It's not accomplishing the end that it was made for in some areas. What do you want? You want a good car or you want a perfect car? And we get that on that level. I mean, do you want a good seat, a seat that works like 50% of the times, but the other times you sit in and you fall down? I mean, you're, you'll be a YouTube sensation. You'll, you'll be a Twitter sensation. But listen, here's the question. What kind of Christian experience do you prefer? Do you prefer just a good Christian experience? Or do you prefer a perfect Christian experience? Because I don't care what you read about on social media. Scripture is clear. God's got a perfect will for you. And you are born again to press towards the perfect. To press towards maturity. To press towards the place of fruitfulness. And why do you want to do it? I want to give you some biblical incentives. The perfect is said to have joy to the fullest. Joy to the fullest. A joy that's not based on circumstances and surroundings. A joy that's based on you've reached the perfect plan of God and you're being fruitful in every work and word that the Lord has assigned for you. And you are overwhelmed with a sense of joy. You know what else the perfect is described as? Bringing more glory to the Father. I've never met a young man who didn't want to bring glory to their father. I never met a young man who didn't want the father to look at them and say, well done, good and faithful son, or you are well pleased in my sight. And people say, that was before Jesus ever did anything. What are you talking about? Like the 30 years of living holy? See, we get confused. People say when the father spoke and said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, they say, before he ever did anything. Because see, we devalue the importance of you living out first the acceptable will of God before reaching the place of ministry and kingdom assignment and using your gifts. Jesus lived 30 years in the Father's will. I don't think that's called nothing. 
What he's saying is, is listen, you will get the witness of reaching the acceptable will of God before you can, before you even maybe ever even entered the specific use of your spiritual gifts. But Enoch walked with God and says he knew. He knew he pleased God. He had a sense of full of joy. He had a sense that I'm bringing more glory to the Father. The perfect is said to be filled with the rewards of diligently seeking Him. How many want that? The perfect is said to have the effective working of God on your good works. How many of you want not just you to go to work, but the effective working of God through your work, and you see God do things and give you favor, and you were doing the same thing you did before, but now it's coming after you've experienced and proved the acceptable will of God. The perfect's finishing your race. It's running according to the standards. We conclude with this, Colossians 1, 10 and 11. This summarizes this process of pressing towards the perfect. He says that you may walk worthy of the Lord. Colossians 1, 10. Worthy, that you would walk worthy of the Lord. Watch this. Fully pleasing Him. Walking worthy of the Lord is the acceptable will of God. But you know what fully pleasing the Lord is? That's the perfect will of God. What is the fully pleasing Him? He, he defines it right here. Being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. That's why Apostle John, when he summarized a mature father in the faith and a mature mother in the faith, you know the characteristic he said about them in 1 John 2? You know what they know? They know Him who is from the beginning. Because they're being fruitful in every good work and work, watch this, and they're increasing in the knowledge of Him. They constantly have set eyes, set heart. They're getting shot at circumstances, but it doesn't deter them from pressing into the only perfect one, Jesus Christ and the Father, and they allow His presence to perfect what they started in Him or her. Strengthen with all might, according to His glory, glorious power for all patience and long-suffering with joy. Who wants to press for the perfect? Who wants to press for the perfect? Because Paul says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. By the mercies of God, and in view of the mercies of God, you do this, present, prove, reach the perfect but let me ask this what mercies the mercies Paul has just spent the 11 chapters of his letter to the Romans explaining that God has accomplished what he promised before through his prophets in the holy scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ that the obedience to the faith is for all nations for all people and all races that the gospel is the power of God to salvation for anyone who will believe whether you're Jew or Gentile this is the mercies of God that now a righteousness of God apart from the works of the law of Moses is provided that though all have sinned fall short of the glory of God we can be justified freely by His grace through Christ Jesus that we can be made righteous with God by the law of faith apart from obedience to the law of Moses that the blessedness of having your transgressions and sins forgiven by grace is available that we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ that the love of God has been poured out in our hearts that while we were still sinners God demonstrated His love for us by Christ dying for us 
that we can receive an abundance of grace through the gift of righteousness, that we can reign in life through Jesus Christ and His finished work, that though we were dead in sin, we're now made alive, and who we were is dead and buried, and we have been raised as a new creation to walk in newness of life, that we have died to following a list of do's and don'ts and rules, and we have now came into a living relationship to follow a living Lord, that we have received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, that we are saved in the hope of we're going to get a new body in the future to come. That we know that all things work together for the good of becoming like Jesus Christ. That nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ. That God has chosen to have mercy not just on the Jews but on the Gentiles. That of Him and through Him and to Him are all things to whom be glory forever and amen. And I pray some people would stand on their feet for the mercies of God. And let's begin to praise Him and worship Him and say God here I am I present myself. Now prove yourself as I press towards the perfect. Again, thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you'd like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at www.dwellingplacemovement.org.